I would have, I'd be sitting on the couch with like the kids. They're what, like, you know, six months or something at this point. So they're still kind of blob like in that way. Uh, and I would get to this point where I would just have this like almost visual of the house being on fire around me. Like it was so intense and it was so consuming that I just, I literally felt like I was on fire and that I could just burn everything to the ground. Um, I, I even had moments where I, I like, I would have my drink cup and I would be clenching it. And I would think to myself, I could just throw this at the TV and I could just shatter it. That would feel so good. Like I needed, my body wanted to like expel the energy somehow, but I couldn't find a way. There was no good way to get it out because I had to like be here and be the parent all the time. everyone, welcome to Open Mind Night, a show that talks about everything mental health and mental illness related. I am your host, Robin Tamanaha, licensed marriage and family therapist. Joining me on this episode is my guest, Audrey Shane. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Northern California with an exclusively online practice working with adults and couples seeking to create a more connected and congruent life. As a police wife herself, she especially enjoys supporting partners and spouses of law enforcement and first responders. She brings a real life, even keeled approach to counseling, coming alongside her clients as they shine light into the dark and changing places in life. Audrey also provides business coaching support to therapists in private practice, seeking to find balance and fight burnout by designing a private practice that supports the life they and their families deserve love it hi audrey hi robin so good to be here yeah thanks for doing this how are you i'm doing well i'm doing great yeah Yeah. well thanks for doing this um i have a lot of questions i know uh you know one of the things we're gonna we're gonna talk about is you know specifically related to motherhood Mm -hmm. so uh for the listeners could you share a bit about your motherhood journey and kind of like what that looked like before, yeah. after? Of course, yeah. So, um, so I I became a mother late. Uh, I became pregnant when I was thirty five, so I was technically a geriatric pregnancy, as they like to call it. <laughs> and um, we we ended up having surprise twins. I have boy girl uh, fraternal twins, um, and I was actually I was really excited to be pregnant. I was really excited to give birth. I was kind of that that odd one out that was like, yay, I'm excited to do a natural birth because I want to conquer birth. And um, and that's not at all how it went, right? You have twins, you end up being considered a high-risk pregnancy, your prenatal care changes, your whole pregnancy experience changes. I mean, I was, I was ill and sick. I could barely function for like the first 20 weeks or so. Um, and then I had like a few weeks of reprieve before I got so big pregnant what pregnancy wise that I just like had a hard time just existing um and then at uh 35 and a half weeks they said you are you've gone preeclamptic like I was a perfect pregnancy until that moment and like literally overnight I went preeclamptic neither of my babies like were down and engaged and so they like we're gonna deliver you in two days when you hit 36 weeks it's gonna be a c-section and so I think, you know, um, 
I kind of like grief was a big piece of my motherhood experience from like the moment I found out I had twins and then, and then on. Um, and so like, I think very early on my expectations of what it was going to be like to be pregnant, to, to have children was like, just totally blown out of the water. And I was like, constantly confronted with like the, what I thought it was supposed to be like, even the realistic version of what I thought it was supposed to be like compared to what it ended up being for me. Um, fast forward to now I have, um, three and a half year old twins. Now they are doing great. Um, but even that even more stuff came, you know, after I gave birth, I had an allergic reaction to medication. I was hospitalized for five days straight. My son had a double, had to have his tongue tie revised twice because it was so deep, which impacted breastfeeding, which I was able to successfully do for two years. But like there were so many struggles on the front end. And then, you know, right around the age of two, we discovered that my son um, has some neurodiversity on board. So he's an intense sensory seeker, which has made life really, really challenging and made parenting really challenging. And like, it's not super well known, even as a therapist, I didn't even know it was a thing. So there's just been a lot, like a ton of just these little things that have come along the way that was like, wait a minute, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, so yeah, so there's lots of grief, lots of like, not things, not being the way that I expected. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I think this is super helpful, you know, for the listeners to know, just hearing like your personal journey and what you went through. And it sounds like there were just multiple things coming up, you know, along the way, you know, and I like how you said, you know, what, what you thought it would be like for, or, you know, expected maybe to what kind of what ended up happening. And yeah. you mentioned grief. So, you know, for you, like, what was, what was that grief process like, you know, and then like, kind of also how it relates to um, motherhood grief, even, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I kind of like being a therapist, I kind of knew ahead of time, I'm, I'm prone to anxiety and depression. So I know that that might be something I struggle with. I have, you know, I'm coming to motherhood later. And so I have a much more, I have a really established life and I kind of like the, like my life the way it is. So I knew that it was going to change radically. And I knew that there would be these feelings of loss of what I had before I had children that I would feel like I had lost something. Um, I think what, really threw me off is how much I felt like I had lost and how little control or how little like um, capacity I felt like I had to take to get any of that back, even a little bit. Um, you know, it was of course complicated by having two infants at once, uh, you know, on top of everything. Um, and so I, I kind of describe it like, I had put the, the pieces of the puzzle of my life together and I really liked the puzzle that I had put together. And I thought, you know, with adding a child that we would like kind of like rearrange the puzzle pieces. Um, and really it was more like my entire puzzle got sh uh, uh, shattered and a whole bunch of new pieces got thrown in that had to replace the old ones. And I had to put it all back together again, but I didn't know what went where. Um, and so that's like, kind of the metaphor that I use for like, just how sh like shattering it felt. Um, 
And I think, you know, even expecting grief, even knowing that the losses and the feeling of loss was going to be a part of it didn't prepare me for just how intense that feeling was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like after, like, you know, postpartum and like after, you know, the twins, like what, what, <laughs> what was your experience for that period? Oh gosh. Um, well, <laughs> uh, surprisingly the first like three months aren't the worst. They, they're actually some of the easier months because it's, we got, we fell into this like really rhythmic cycle of like, my job was to keep them alive. And that was it. And, um, I got a ton of stuff. I had a lot of support. And so that helped a lot. And so we were literally on a clock of like, okay, feed them pump bottle top because we had to triple feed. And then, um, yeah, so that was a lot, but I did end up getting a freezer stash off of that. So I was able to, it really helps me in that regard. Um, and then sleep. Right. And so, and I slept with them and I always did, like I made it my sole mission to get sufficient sleep and to breastfeed these kids. And so I did for the first three months, four months, that was how we, how we operated. Um, and yes, there was like parts of me like, okay, this is temporary. I'll get this back. I'm really sad about the life that I used to have, but like eventually, right, right around four months, sleep disruptions start to happen. And um, there was a period of several months where it would be frequently, there would be days where at least one of them was awake all the time at any given moment. So there were no breaks, there were literally no breaks. And it was nervous system frying. And so I think, you know, between the grief and some of the depression that I was dealing with, um, there was just a nervous system load that was so overwhelming for me. Um, and it, it actually brought up something that's not, that I, I totally didn't expect at all. And I think a lot of people don't talk about is rage. Um, I found myself feeling these intense bouts of like burning rage. And I was like, what the heck is happening to me? <laughs> like, who is this person? I've never been angry like this in my life. <laughs> So yeah, that was, that, that was way out of left field for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard that one, the, mm. the rage. So you said it's like this, like kind of burning, like what's, what was your like full experience with that? Like on the inside, the, all like the emotions, like what, what was that? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I would have, I'd be sitting on the couch with like the kids they're what like you know six months or something at this point so they're still kind of blob like in that way uh and I would get to this point where I would just have this like almost visual of the house being on fire around me like it was so intense and it was so consuming that I just I literally felt like I was on fire and that I could just burn everything to the ground um I, I even had moments where I, I like I would have my drink cup and I would be clenching it. And I would think to myself, I could just throw this at the TV and I could just shatter it. That would feel so good. Like I needed, my body wanted to like expel the energy somehow, but I couldn't find a way. There was no good way to get it out because I had to like be here and be the parent all the time. Yeah. Was yeah. it that kind of, was it like just unexpected where it's like you just felt it or was it like kind of this just always there like how did the how would it kind of come up um a little of both like there would be some days where I kind of smolder through the day 
And there'd be other days where I'd be like, good. And then like, it almost seemed like out of nowhere that I would just like flip into this like burning rage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were there any like, for when it wasn't just the smoldering in the back, like, were there like triggers to it or like, how did it, what led to that? Yeah. Once I, like, I started really paying attention to it and like figuring out what some of those early signs were. And I think one of the things that helped me with that is I kind of discovered like the respectful infant parenting community. And one of the things that they talk about is if you're angry, you've waited too long to set the boundary. And I was like, well, what boundaries can you possibly set with like a six month old? But there are some. Um, and so it's like, if I'm, if I'm raging, then I've waited too long to walk away and take a break for myself. Even if the child is upset, even if they're crying, even if they're hungry, like I've waited too long to take even a few minutes break for myself and do some breathing and take care of like just that nervous system overload. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that helped me like identify, like, where does that line actually sit for me and figuring out when I need to take the break on the front end so that I don't get to that place of rage as quickly or as easily. Yeah. I almost think of it as like plan prevention or self-care. It sounds like down to doing things like initially, as opposed to like waiting for when you feel certain, a certain way. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you know, Combined with that, um, again, I'm, I was fortunate to have the supports that I had, but three days a week I had scheduled time where one of the grandmas would show up and for two hours I could leave the house. And I didn't, didn't matter what I did. I didn't actually have to do anything. I just had to leave the house and feel like a, a person separate from these babies. And so like having that predictable this is time that I'm going to have un, un, uninterrupted to myself really helped me manage that nervous system overload. Yeah. yeah. Was that something easy to implement or was it like kind of something kind of to work into as far as like doing that separation, getting that time away? Yeah. Yeah. We started with, I think one hour, um, twice a week and then built up to like two, you know, two to three hours, three times a week. Um, and it, it helped that I had the milk stash. That's kind of where that milk stash comes in is that I had that milk stash. So there was always milk available if they needed it. And, um, I was able to kind of time it around feedings anyway. And, um, I think it like mentally, I had to really work that like guilt piece of like, no, I am better for leaving. I am better when I go away. And, and that's actually translated even like now I, I, my kids are in preschool full-time and like, I recognize that I'm a better mom when I'm only their mom half the time, when I only have to be in charge of them half the time, including sleeping hours right now, because I still sleep with them a lot. <laughs> and so like, it's, it's taken a lot for me to get to that place to not feel guilty or shameful that like, that's actually that's actually better for them because they get a better version of me when I am with them. I think that's so important for the listeners to hear because I hear so many things, you know, when yeah. it comes to expectations of mom or mother yeah. parenthood, you know, and this kind of doing it all, all the time. And it sounds like that's not the case. It's what works for you and what helps you show up 
the best way, you know, that you, you look like as a mom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I actually thought, so again, back to this expectations idea, like my mom loved being a mom. She loved motherhood. And so I kind of grew up with this idea that I would too. And I, I like, I knew I would be good at it. I knew that I would enjoy having children. Um, what I didn't realize is that I wouldn't love it 24 seven. <laughs> you know, my mom was the crafty mom. She had the craft bins and she did the things with us and we were out in the mud puddles and all that stuff. And it's like, I'm, I'm good with some of that, some of the time but I like, I can't do that 24 seven the way that my mom did. And I had to grapple with like, oh, wow, that's the mom I thought I would be isn't even who I am. Yeah. Sounds like coming into like your own identity as mom, what that actually looks like uniquely for you. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be able to just acknowledge out loud, like I don't like mothering in that intensive way all the time. I just don't like it. It's not me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to acknowledge that. It's okay to say it out loud. Like it is not fun to, <laughs> to do that for the 20th time in a row. <laughs> Going back to the, um, the rage, like the postpartum yeah. rage, you know, I remember you, you know, mentioning it's something that's, you know, like not, not talked about a lot. No. Why do you think that is? Fear. Absolutely fear. I think, um, I think when you experience rage, the images are terrifying. I'm a visual person. And so for me, a lot of this came through in images. Um, and like, fortunately, I understood that they were a symptom of something different, of something else. I understood that. At the same time, like some of them were violent. Some of them were graphic. Some of them were like disturbing and you know, to even acknowledge to yourself that you're having those kinds of thoughts and images is difficult. And then to say them out loud to somebody else is terrifying. Um, and particularly, you know, in the mental health community, like even as a therapist, I couldn't tell my therapist. I was seeing a therapist and I couldn't tell my therapist because I'm, I have heard stories of women being put in for like uh, holds for, you know, two, three, five days because they are having those thoughts and images, not because they're actually at risk of harming somebody, but because the professionals are afraid that they might. And so it, I think I never felt, I never actually felt like I would do anything harmful. I was confident that I would never harm myself or my children. Um, and so I didn't feel like that was something I would need, but I could have really used somebody to hear it. Mm -hmm. Did there come a point where that, I think, and I too, that's important for everybody do know, including us like therapists, you know, when it comes down to that, like that fear and opening up and then also, you know, all the criteria for hold, you know, and, yep. and, and it's, and it's hard to be a therapist because we know like all the, <laughs> all the steps. Right. Um, but I totally, you know, understand how that would like hold somebody back and, and fear, like you said, stories of like, you know, when it's the hospital hospitalization procedures aren't usually done, you know, in a way where we're 
trained? Because it sounds like for you, you had the thoughts, but you didn't, you were distressed by them. Yes. You were freaked out by them. Yes. And you said you no intention, you know, so. Exactly. Right. Technically, you know, um, you know, hospitalization, you know, would happen, but we never know. <laughs> and then there's that fear and like shame yeah. and, you know, so much stuff happening. Was there a point where, um, you know, that's why I'm so thankful for you being on this podcast and sharing your story now, like back then, was there a point where something happened or you, you did start to talk about it with people or what did that kind of look like? Look like, yeah. Um, I think I was able to talk about it sort of generally. Um, my, my half sister, she's a, a bit older than me and she has like five, six, six kids. Um, and I was kind of able to talk a little bit with her about it. And she was, she was really receptive and able to like handle it. Um, and then my husband and I got back into couples counseling and through that, I was able to like share more of it with him. And so I like found these avenues. Ultimately, I kept looking. I think that's kind of the key here is that I kept looking for the place where I could show this to somebody. Um, and I was able to find a few places that like I could show a little bit over here and I could show a little bit over here. I could show a little over here. And then it felt like, okay, people know it's not just inside of me anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 That's great that you had like safe people and like yeah. spaces like for that. Cause that sounds like very scary. Yeah, it can, it can be really disoriented and really disturbing and scary. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I think the other piece of it that's scary is like, you don't know when it will end. You're not sure. You don't have a sense of like, when will this get better? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I know you mentioned um, planning, you know, planning time away, you know, some, some like kind of respite in a way you know, from the kiddos, is there anything else, um, that you found like helpful? Yeah. Um, I think kind of coming back to that whole idea of like respectful parenting and setting boundaries with your kids is like, I had to be really like thoughtful about what my hard lines were, what my rules were. So like my, my kid was a sensory seeker. Okay. That means he needs to bounce off the walls literally. And we had a really small house. And while I really wanted the rule to be no jumping on the couch, I also knew that I didn't have another way to meet that need for him. And so I had to like pick like, okay, do I battle the need for him to like literally bounce around or do I give up my rule to no jumping on the couch? And like, I, when I would encounter things where I was like, wow, trying to hold that line is making me rage a lot. Let me rethink that. Whereas, oh, not holding that line is causing me to rage a lot. Maybe I need to rethink that. Um, so it was, it was sort of like taking a step back and like zooming out and observing and evaluating my own rules and lines and choices in terms of like what was okay and what wasn't okay. Um, I, at some point I had to get really okay with saying, no, I won't pick you up. Yes. That, I'm sorry. That's sad. Yes. I'm sorry. I, you don't like that. 
yes, it's okay for you to, to cry at my feet. I still can't pick you up right now. I'm going to eat. <laughs> like I'm going to finish eating. Right. <laughs> um, and it sounds, it sounds silly when you say it out loud, but like, I cannot tell you how many meals I just ate in one bite at a time because this kid wanted that thing and this thing and that thing and that thing. And it was like, right. I haven't even eaten a full meal yet. And it's been hours. So I can't do that. Yeah. And two, I think that's also um, helpful for you for sure, yeah. but also for kids. Cause like you think of like modeling and also kind of teaching like limits and boundaries in a way. So I feel like that's kind of cool for them to learn that too. And it's through, through you showing yours. Actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the best way we can teach is by demonstrating what we're okay with. I mean, I had to do it even just yesterday. I had to do it. I had to fill out some paperwork and my daughter interrupted me probably 20 times in the matter of 30 minutes. Um, but I didn't like, she kept interrupting, but I kept holding the line, you know, and eventually toward the end of it, she actually gave me five full minutes uninterrupted. And I was like, okay, we're getting somewhere. You know, my, my husband, what did he say? Sometimes I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall with these kids. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's what it's supposed to feel like for like the first 10 years. Um, (laughs) I guess we just have to do it consistently. (laughs) Uh, but even just being able to acknowledge that like, yeah, actually that is about right. That's what it feels like sometimes yeah. is like, it's just almost a relief of like, yeah, okay. If that's what I'm can expect, then I can work around and with that instead of having to like, feel like it should be different. Yeah. 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 Was there, um, anything I didn't ask or bring up that you would like the listeners to know about, or that you'd like to share? Um, you know, nothing specific comes to mind. I think like, especially if someone's experiencing rage, like finding a way to release that energy is such a a vital aspect of, of coping with it. Like it's, it's actually okay to scream. I feel angry. Like, you know, like it's better to yell, I feel angry than to yell hurtful things at your children, which I've done. I've done that. I've done both. And, you know, when I have the presence of mind to be able to yell how I'm feeling instead of yelling at them, you know, it, again, it comes back to that. I get a release of energy. They see and hear my anger and it's done in a way that models like, oh, mom, like people get angry. Okay. Like maybe now we can move forward from that. And like, from there, I will take a breath and take a moment and model self-care and, you know, um, like it's okay to yell how you're feeling. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, um, thank you for doing this. This was like super helpful and informative and thank you. You know, I think, um, you know, as you know, you said earlier, it's not always talked about. So, you know, I would hope and I would think, you know, that there will be listeners out there that'll hear this and yeah. probably feel very seen in a way. Maybe there are some who are currently struggling or have and they're kind of alone in it or didn't know, you know, what to do. So I think, um, you know, you being open and sharing your story will, will definitely be helpful for those that are listening that might be going through it or have gone through it. 
Yeah, thank you. I sure hope so. It definitely helped me to know that other people had been through this too. So yeah. Yeah. Um, before we end, for the listeners, in case they want to find out more about you and like what you do, are there any like websites or social media handles that you'd like them to know about? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my website is for therapy is AudreyLMFT.com. Uh, same handle on Instagram. I also have a TikTok. It's called Audrey Out Loud. And um, every, when I feel inspired, I'll post fun and informative stuff on there. Um, for any therapist listening, I do business coaching. You can find me at balancedprivatepractice.com or I also have a Facebook group, um, the Balanced Practice Community. Love to have you in there. I think that's about it. Yeah, great. So I'll put that in the show notes. That way the listeners can just easily click on it and that way they can um, either reach out or find out more, you know, especially for the therapists about the community. We also, we definitely need support for each oh, yeah. other. So I think that is amazing. Balance living, you love that. Heck yeah. It's like goals. It's like therapist goals, especially private practice. Balance living, that's wonderful. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Robin. Thanks for listening. Hopefully this was informative or helpful. If you think this episode may be helpful to others that you know, be sure to share this episode with them. The resources mentioned and the contact information for today's guests are listed in the show notes. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a rating. If you would like to stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast and follow the podcast Instagram, Open Mind Night Pod. Also, this podcast is not psychotherapy or counseling. If you need to speak with a professional, you should find one local to you and contact them directly. If this is an emergency, please call your local emergency number or go to your nearest emergency department.